Hello, good evening, and welcome to Seascapes. On tonight's programme, the ongoing crisis in inland fisheries, which now has no border governance, and we look ahead to a gathering of the whole marine sector in Limerick next weekend. Earlier this week, Minister for the Environment Eamon Ryan removed the last three board members of Inland Fisheries Ireland. The Minister took the move on a no-fault basis for any members because their work had been stymied by the resignation of five board members in the last nine months. Those earlier resignations meant the board could no longer form a quorum to make any decisions and had become inoperable. The truth is there's been a crisis in Inland Fisheries for more than a year, with allegations flying and it's been the subject of several statements in the Oireachtas. The IFI has responsibility for caring for fishing and environmental issues on our rivers and lakes and along our coasts, protecting against pollution and illegal fishing. Senator Sean Kine has been raising his concerns about IFI for the past year and I met him this week to ask what's going on in inland fisheries. I think there are serious issues within Inland Fisheries Ireland uh, at the moment. Um, I think there have been concerns for some time and I think it's important that Inland Fisheries Ireland gets back to doing what it needs to do, which is fishing, um, habitat protection, um, conservation of stock, all the, 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 the issues that the anglers in the west of Ireland and uh, elsewhere um, are concerned about, the protection of the Great Western Lakes, uh, these, this is the things that the IFI need to be dealing with and unfortunately uh, it's been caught up certainly since I, I would say last February in issues um, and divisions and concerns. It no longer has a board now because the last three people were asked to step down through no fault, no fault agreement with the minister at the, during the week. Where did this start and you were the first person to raise it in the channel. How did it come to you? Where did it start? Uh, it started, um, I suppose, with a um, anonymous letter being sent to the department about a staff member, and uh, that staff member was subsequently suspended and dismissed. And um, you know that'll take its own course in relation to the WRC uh, and the Labour Court. Uh, there was subsequent um, to that there was an investigation into the board, allegedly into a leak um, from the board. Um, which resulted in an investigation of the board. Uh, that was signed off on by Minister Eamon Ryan, so there's an investigation of the board um, under the Act, and uh, Conneth Bradley SC was instructed in c- to carry out that, uh, that uh, review. That review was sent to the Minister in around the 12th of July uh, 2022. Um, it was sent to the Chair of Inland Fisheries Ireland, on the 26th of September. So there was some delay on that. There was a discussion of the board meeting on the 14th of October and that report by Kenneth Bradley uh, was published on the 7th of November of last year. Again, it it found no fault, no reason to be concerned with the actions of the board, no reason for the board to be removed or anything like that. In that intervening period, uh, we had three resignations on the board, two in April of last year and one from uh, one in October uh, of last year, related to frustration, related to um, the, the board not being 
allowed to do the things that they needed to do in relation to conservation and that. This whole debate of pike versus trout, it's, mm. it's, it's always controversial, but um, I had uh, engaged when I was Minister of State in that department in, in, in a bylaw that was subsequently uh, struck out by the High Court. So there are concerns in relation to the direction coming from the top of Inland Fisheries Ireland and, and I have to say the department of the Minister as well. There are other issues then that you raised in the Shannon about some of the work practices in the inland fisheries itself. Uh, yeah, and um, there, 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 there have been a series of allegations made and information sent to uh, the Department and to Inland Fisheries Ireland that are now the subject of an investigation. Uh, I'm concerned that this is an internal um, investigation. I believe what, what is needed is an external independent investigation in relation to the organization not the board the organization the the interesting thing is in the in the letter that the minister signed off on the on valentine's day of this year 14th of, of february he gave a number of reasons why he sacked the board and two of the first reasons were quite peculiar he sacked the board he stated because there had been a number of resignations and that there weren't enough members to make a quorum now the question can be asked whose fault is that it's his responsibility under Section 19 of the Act to appoint members to the board in place of ones who resigned. Now, there were three resignations last year, none of which were replaced by Minister Ryan. There were two resignations this year. Okay, I'll give him that, that there, isn't enough time, there wasn't enough time to replace those by going through a full formal process. But he didn't replace members, and yet he's blaming the existing members, the members who survived that, who stead the course, uh, blaming them that they cannot get a quorum. Now, you raised some allegations about what was happening uh, within IFI in the Shannon last year. We're going to listen now to what you said at that time. I understand there's been a number of resignations from the Board of Inland Fisheries Ireland. I was Minister with Responsibility uh, for IFI uh, a number of years ago. and It was a challenging role um, for a variety of reasons, but there now seems to be a lot of unhappiness, obviously, within the board when there's two resignations uh, and possibly more to come. And I know the minister is looking at a whole independent review in relation to, as I understand it, in relation to the board. But I think there needs to be more than just looking at the board. There, there are management issues within Inland Fisheries Ireland. There are issues that are happening that are belatedly been brought to the board, including, for example, uh, 16 uninsured company vehicles on the road, uh, with one of them involved in a crash, the cost of which has not been established. Locally arranged leasing of Ashley Lodge, which was an inland fisheries property, to a staff member as a guest house with no transparency uh, of process or financial accounts. Inappropriate dispersal uh, of dormant accounts funds. Allocation of funding to an angling club, which did not exist. Um, and other matters as well. And uh, again, Inland Fisheries Ireland is, 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 a, is a central body um, I, I don't think that was the right move to centralise it, uh, and I think there's the disassociation now from the work that is needed on the ground and central management. Uh, and could I ask that the Minister be asked to, to, to come in to discuss all matters angling, um, uh, as I said, as he initiates a review of the governance or of the accountability of the board. Sean, where is the IFI now? How are they doing business? How are they managing without a board? Well, we have two um, former chief executives now uh, carrying out the functions of uh, the board. I'm sure they're, I, I don't know them personally. I'm sure they're very uh, eminent and highly qualified individuals. And I'm, I, I, I certainly hope uh, that they carry out an impartial job, uh, investigate all that needs to be investigated. Um, the statement from the minister is interesting. It states that they will have responsibility now to investigate 
items that were made under protected disclosure. So that, that is important. So you could That's ar- what you were referring to just there. Yeah. So you could argue that there are two investigations now. There's, a, there's a, an investigation by McCann Fitzgerald solicitors on behalf of the department and there's an investigation, if you like, uh, by the two CEOs that are now appointed to carry out the functions uh, of the board. Again, the question is, you know, and, and again, all very imminent group of solicitors and imminent CEO, former CEOs, what information will they be provided with? Who will they be interviewing? Will they be interviewing of all former board members? Um, or uh, will, will, they be, will they be asked to select a few? Uh, what engagement will the department have? Because, I mean, the, de- the department and um, Inland Fisheries Ireland are effectively hand-in-glove. There's a, it's a small section of the department uh, and it's, they're hand-in-glove with Inland Fisheries Ireland. And my concern is uh, how independent any review and investigation will be because what's needed now is full transparency on all the matters uh, that have been alleged Um, and it's not just me there are a number of other public representatives that have become exercised on this based on the evidence that they've seen. We're told morale within IFI staff is very low even though they're conducting a, a vital job. Yeah, and uh, it's certainly not my intention to, to, to reduce morale or, or by, by raising matters, but I believe matters have to be raised. Um, I think some of the allegations that are made are, are concerning. Um, and they need to be investigated, the impact uh, on, on, on staff and appointments and things like that. Uh, so I, I, I do have legitimate concerns and I believe these things need to be investigated. Um, I believe staff do a vital job and it's important that uh, they get the leadership from both within Inland Fisheries Ireland and within the department um, to, to, to allow them to carry out their vital work in relation to conservation, in, in relation to stream enhancement, in relation to spawning grounds and, and, and that for trout, uh, protection of salmon. Salmon stocks are in decline and it's, it's, a, it's a serious issue. So these are the issues that the, that the, the Inland Fisheries Ireland, the board, need to be dealing with and I, I believe that they haven't been. New board, very quickly. Yeah, a new board will be appointed in, 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 in time and that will have to go through a process uh, and I certainly hope um, that a highly um, you know, independent board will be appointed. And independence is hugely important because you know, uh, they have a job to do like any board. It's important that they do an independent uh, job, that they look at the facts of a situation, that they provide the governance um, and the, uh, that they you know, take, take issues uh, seriously, not just at face value if they have concerns that they seek advice and they investigate them. So uh, I'm sorry that these things have to be raised, but I believe they are too important to be left uh, lying. Uh, the minister has acted. I believe he, he made the wrong call. I believe he could have and he should have made appointments to the board last year um, he could have still done it. He could have made it emergency appointments, similar to what Minister McConnell did with Horseport Ireland, made emergency appointments or interim appointments to the board uh, and allowed them to carry on the work uh, that they were doing. Um, there's a lot of other things that I, I, I cannot say uh, that that uh, I hope can come out in investigations. Yeah. I'm not here to get anybody uh, in, in trouble, um, uh, but I, I, I am here to ensure that the truth is unearthed, that the truth comes out and that uh, the, the, the two investigations if you like, that are taking place now, get all the facts and deal with it. I would prefer if there was one investigation and that it was independent and external, uh, similar to what was done for the board. And that was Senator Sean Kine. Now, in a statement, the Minister for the Environment, Eamon Ryan, said that following the resignations of five members of the Board of Inland Fisheries Ireland since April 2022 and the consequent inability of IFI to carry out its functions effectively, the Minister 
has exercised his powers under Section 18 and has removed the current members of the IFI on a no-fault basis. Minister Ryan intends to appoint new members of IFI as soon as possible. From next Thursday, a large gathering of all sectors of the marine industry will take place in Limerick. There's the annual Skipper Expo in University of Limerick on Friday and Saturday, and on Thursday there'll be the Seafarers Conference, bringing together businesses and individuals with an interest in the offshore wind sector. The annual Seafarers Conference is run by the Maritime College of Ireland and the Simply Blue Wind Energy Group. Captain Brian Fitzgerald of Simply Blue told me about the Seafarers Conference. So next Thursday at the Castle Troy Park Hotel in Limerick on the uh, day before the Skipper Expo, um, we have uh, decided to run the second Seafarer Conference on the back of a very successful first outing last year in the National Maritime College. Uh, we decided to run it in Limerick so that we can get the offshore renewable energy sector, the fishing community, probably one of the, the most important stakeholders in this, and environmentalists indeed, and state agencies around the table to to have a discussion about this. In other words, can we have a thriving situation for all of the component parts? The question put up to them is, can we do it? And let's see what the conversation brings us. I spoke to people in this in the fishing industry and in the wind industry during the week. They do have differences, particularly on the East Coast, about who owns what, essentially. They certainly do. And indeed, this uh, conference is designed to, to air uh, th- those issues. You see, there is no getting away from the uh, from the fact that we have to have climate action and meet our climate action targets in order to save this planet that is actually on fire uh, right now. To capture the best wind that Ireland has to offer, you need to go offshore. And if you're going offshore, you're obviously going to come across the most important stakeholder offshore in the areas where these wind farms are suitable to be built, and that is our fishing community. So therefore, we have to listen to our fishing community. We have to hear what they have to say, and we have to work with them in a coexistent way and try and plot a course whereby both can thrive. Uh, There is a food crisis as well as a climate crisis. There's also a biodiversity crisis, and there's an energy security crisis. Ireland has solutions to nearly all of these. So why not take the lead internationally, harness the magnificent resources that we have in terms of food and energy, and contribute to the climate action, energy security, and biodiversity crisis with some positive response from this island nation. You had this similar conference last year. I attended it and we had quite significant pieces on the programme. Where have we moved on in the last year as regards offshore wind, the fishing industry? We've gone in a number of ways. Uh, There were several recommendations and actions that fell out of that conference last year. But one of the most obvious ones was to to, uh, get a proper forum within which the fishing industry and the renewable energy industry can speak. And so we now have established the seafood uh, ORE working group, uh, which is operating at a national level, to have this conversation. And that group, which I'm a member of, is very close to a draft communications protocol. In other words, how the two industries should speak to each other. What is the standard, we'd say, for uh, for engagement? What is the guidance on that? Uh, And that's a very big outcome. Secondly, the National Maritime College has advanced some of its uh, training programs to see if we can have crossover opportunities from people who work in the fishing sector being able to have qualifications recognized beyond that so there's just a couple of them but you can tell by the by the um, 
advancements at government level with the Marine Area Planning Act, the setting up of MARA, that there is a lot of activity happening in this space. Probably the biggest one, uh, and that's why it's part of this conference, is how do we now build the supply chain? How do we have our ports ready to deal with the potential socioeconomic benefits that would come from all of this? Because people might not think offshore wind, it needs a whole supply chain, as you call it. It needs the ships, the skills to build these things, to supply them. And also we need the ports where these huge turbines can be assembled and floated out. Yeah, that is, that, that is absolutely correct. Um, and as I say, we need to do that uh, in association with all other marine users uh, to make sure that we uh, optimise the potential for everybody. Uh, but Ireland, uh, there is no doubt that Ireland has the wind and there is no doubt that Ireland has a vast expanse of shallow water because of our continental shelf. And with those two factors associated with our geostrategic location on the western frontier of the European continent, Ireland is really well positioned to capture this energy and deliver results. Uh, but we do need to signal to the, the world and the international markets that Ireland is open to doing this. And this type of conversation that we will have at the conference is Irish people figuring out a solution on how to optimise the entire sector. You also will have speakers from various international companies, mostly Irish people working with various international shipping and supply companies, talking about bringing their expertise back to Ireland. We will. Uh, in, in particular, uh, an interesting character, Davy Hill, he's, he's from Northern Ireland. He was a fisherman for most of his life, and he has expanded into into supply chain uh, offshore vessels and offshore operations by adapting and innovating to uh, the situation that's approaching. His experience of the fishing sector with which he's involved, uh, they have managed to advance as a result of this. So they've advanced in tandem. And I think he's going to make a very interesting contribution uh, to the conference. One of the reasons you're holding these conferences is because to get ready for this industry, it's, it is still a huge step up for us. It, it most certainly is. The scale of this is, is quite enormous and the scale of the Irish uh, targets are, uh, are are enormous. We're talking about seven gigawatts uh, of renewable energy by 2030 and we're talking about 30 gigawatts of offshore wind by 2050 and 2050 is not at all far away. In order to get ready for this, it will take a huge lead in time for the, the structures to be built. But for Ireland to optimise the socio-economic return from this and for the coastal communities and the other maritime industries in Ireland to benefit in the best way, we will need to build a suitable supply chain for all of this. We don't wish this technology to be brought in from abroad and jobs to go abroad. We want to be able to harness, as has happened in some countries, by the way, in the UK recently, a uh, wind turbine had to be taken for, for maintenance from outside Aberdeen and had to be taken all the way back to Rotterdam to do so. We want to make sure we have a suitable supply chain that benefits all of the um, coastal and maritime uh, communities in Ireland. Captain Brian Fitzgerald, and that Seafarers Conference is open to the public, but all tickets have now been distributed. However, you can participate online live through the National Maritime College of Ireland website or through the Simply Blue Group website. Then on Friday and Saturday, the annual Skipper Expo, the biggest marine show in the country, will be held in the University of Limerick. It's open to the public and event organiser Hugh Bonner of Mara Media told me what you can expect if you go along. It's our second year in, in Limerick and uh, we have um, over 100 and 
20 companies exhibiting uh, business to business within the commercial fishing sector and we also have uh, new this year some uh, more offshore element renewables we have also this year got the um, shellfish uh, conference and uh, an offshore conference on the previous day so we're we're looking for uh, more visitors um to be coming to the show on the friday and the saturday it's and, a big uh, gathering of the maritime industry over those few days in limerick yes it's it's, it's a sort of morphed into um taking in the whole maritime sector and that's it's the place to be for networking and again for um meeting your uh, your companies face to face it is open to the public so if i go along what am i going to see well, if you go along, the first thing you'll notice outside is there'll be a number of exhibits outside, boats um, uh, for sale. There's going to be BIM Coastal Training Unit. There's going to be the Coast Guard Unit. There's going to be um, other elements outside, as in, as, in, as in boats and engines. You go inside to the main hall venue then, and you're going to have uh, over 120 companies um, doing everything from life jackets to boats to engines to shipyards to nets uh high-end electronic equipment drafts people uh, marine surveyors you know uh offshore renewables you're going to have every sector represented the maritime uh, business to business trade you talked about electronics i've been a couple of times and the electronics are the thing that really catch your eye because they show what you'll see if you step onto deck of a, of a trawler we step onto the deck of a trawler most vessels now even the smallest one now will have um, the best high-tech communications and fish finding navigation equipment that's that's paramount and it's, it's something that smallest boats have but once you you go in the the vessel sizes increase then obviously the spend and this sort of thing increases and they're, they're basically like the, the you know they're like at the inside of a, of a, a spaceship now there's so many monitors and um fish finding navigation equipment gps and they're all linked and they're really you know you're talking about some of these pieces of equipment can range anything from ten thousand to a hundred thousand you know and also when i've been there before what intrigued me was that the number of shipyards and boatyards which are still in operation in the country particularly along the west coast and Donegal and right down along yes it looked probably looked a number of years ago that uh, the the irish shipbuilding and shipbuilding in general industry could be under pressure you know but there's been a boom in recent times and the demand on these shipyards all over uh, europe britain and ireland has now facilitated a bit of a boom in shipbuilding again because the order books are full and if you take somebody like mooney boats and killy bags um, they've got a lot of business and their other books are full and they've been delivering high high quality million pound vessels now for a number of years to customers all over Britain and Ireland. So it, it's been great. It's been fabulous to see the resurgence, you know. Do you think the fishing industry, even with all the difficulties uh, we've had with Brexit and that, has a, a thriving, a very positive future? Well, it's been, the, the, I suppose, if you, if you look at it, it's been... I suppose decimated over the years by uh, law. Um, I mean, you can if you can only catch so much, you can only generate so much income. Um, even though the fish stocks are, are managed well, all that the quota system is is very prohibitive to growth. But 
I suppose if you keep reducing the fleet, whoever's left is going to have a bigger share of the catch. And I know now there's another decommission scheme in place. Um, a lot of fishermen would rather stay in and make a living out of it, but it seems to be that the, the fleet has been reduced all the time. So I suppose for those that are left, yes, it would be more profitable. Um, but again, it comes back that Ireland was dealt a, a, a quite a stiff hand in the beginning when we had such a small share of the overall catch. And... It doesn't look like changing anytime soon. You then, Mara Media, have another show coming up, which is geared more for the leisure market in Lisburn. That's correct, yeah. Um, we ran the Irish Angling Show on Swords, as you know well, for, for years. Um, the venue became unavailable, and uh, what we noticed was an absolute boom in um, everything to do with water sports and boats and everything. So we decided to launch a new show called Ireland on the Water. Um, it's going to have angling, boating, surfing, kayaking, rowing, its engines, outboards. <laughs> it's got really everything to do with anybody who's a water enthusiast. And that's on in March the 4th and 5th at uh, the Icon Centre in Lisbon. And that's a consumer show open to the public and that uh, runs over two days. And we are lucky to have Fintan McCarthy, our Olympic gold uh, medalist rower, opening the show. And we have a number of uh, high profile people from uh, surfing and open water swimming and boating and rowing uh, coming to the event. And uh, again, it's going to have everything for the anybody with an interest on sports on the water, you know. And uh, it's the first of its kind and it's a national show. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Hugh Bonner. And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme is podcast. It's on our website, rte.ie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, the email is seascapes at rte.ie. If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe. Seascapes is presented and produced by Fergal Keane.